0: You might like to turn in your Bible if you would to Jeremiah and uh, chapter 27. In our study of Jeremiah, you recall, the God gives us the movement of the last four kings in particular, of the of ending up in Nebuchadnezzar's destruction of the temple and the city and therefore his ministry he's there and we share together when you hit chapter 26 and forward god has already given 1 through 25 jeremiah's whatever now he's filling in pieces so that we can understand different things in the course of that whole history and we shared in chapter 26, uh, Jeremiah was helps us understand that Jehoiakim the king uh, hated him and uh, the people hated him. And uh, his whole ministry, starting out under the bad king, uh, is going to be a horrible one in the sense that he is an alien, he is a foreigner, uh, he is not appreciated at all as he lives his life and ministry in the city of Jerusalem. He's not wanted. But, you can't get him. You can't kill him. You can't get him out. Uh, God has a wonderful plan for his life. And that's what he is pursuing. And we share that now. So when you come to chapter 27, we have the occurrence In the fourth year of the king of Zedekiah, 593 B.C., there's seven years left before Nebuchadnezzar comes in. So here he is in the fourth year, and the five kings kings come in uh, from the surrounding nations, uh, and they want to revolt against Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, And they've come to meet with Zedekiah, chapter 27 and verse 3. And they've come to meet with Zedekiah in order to get him to join them in their revolt against Nebuchadnezzar. Now, in the process of that, we share together, uh, to keep in mind God's wonderful, wonderful explanation of things to help us, that God God had a wonderful plan for Israel— Israel has forfeited that plan in their unbelief. And in the process of that, God is going to go and help them and uh, use history and uh, and all of that to help Israel recover. And therefore, he's going to allow the Nebuchadnezzar to destroy the temple and the city, etc. And in the process of all of that, God letting that happen, and we share together in the end verse 5 verse 5 27 verse 5 i have made the earth and man and the man and the beast that are upon it the ground by my great power and by my outstretched arm and i have given it to who unto whom it seemed it seemed meet fit for me unto to do and we share that little particular phrase verb it seemed it seemed and the word seemed, the verb, has to do with going straight, not going to the left, not going to the right. Straight as an arrow flying through the air. Straight. And that's the word. So that word straight is translated to be right, to please, and all of that kind of thing. And here it's translated meat. Meet. That means, so say it that way in verse the end of verse five, and God God said, I have given it to whomsoever I pleased. I have done what I have chosen to do. it pleases me to do it. And so when I am pleased to do what I'm going to do, I do it. That's what I do. That's the word, and we share that together so that so that we would understand God's wonderful, wonderful care. And in the process, we share together in reminding ourselves of that. And uh, you have to turn there in Jeremiah 18. Well, you may want to just keep awake. It won't take you much. Over to Jeremiah chapter 18. You remember, just pointing it out to you. So it'll help you tie the two together. Jeremiah 18. And picking up, please, in verse 6. Oh, no, yeah. In verse six, uh, well, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you, as this potter saith the Lord? Behold, is behold is as the clay is in the potter's hand, and so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. Now, and what are you going to do? Verse verse four, and the potter is going to go, and Jeremiah is looking at him, watching him work. He sees a piece of pottery that isn't right. And he is able to go, instead of scrapping it, he's able to go and make it again. So when I read verse 4, and the vessel that he made of clay was marred, defective, in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good, G-O-O-D, which is the word pleasing or meat. It seemed good to the potter to make it. Back over to chapter twenty-seven, the end of verse five. It seemed good. Whatever God is going to do, is good. That's wonderful. We shared together with all getting into all that again. Remember Proverbs three and verse six. And he shall uh, he leads me and, and in verse six and he shall direct. There's the word direct. Please, please to go straight. To go straight. He shall direct thy paths. It pleases him to direct where you're going. Straight down the road. Straight down the road. He leadeth me in the paths of what? Righteousness for his namesake. Straight down the road. That's God's plan. Now so, and the Israel has to wake up, and so do the nations, and so do the five kings. So therefore, remember Jeremiah dressed up and made an ox yoke, and he wore the ox yoke, made it all up, and walked into the room where all these kings were, and uh, came into the room, and, the, and he showed them. He said, now, remember, this yoke is what you want to be wearing. And all the kings were to go back and tell their king, that they represented, uh, that they all had better yield to Babylon. Verse 6, Now I have given all these lands unto the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. My servant and the beast of the field have I given him also to serve him. Remember, we shared all that together, that God gave Nebuchadnezzar an awesome position. He was the boss. There was no one he answered to except God. And he was the boss of animals. He could have told the elephant, go whatever. That's what he could have done. He was in charge. God gave him that. Wow. He, remember, we shared that. He's the top of the pile in the Daniel chapter 2. Now, and therefore, verse, verse 7, And all nations shall serve him and his son and his son's son and, uh, and Belshazzar until the very time of the land come, and then many nations and great kings shall serve themselves of him, so Nebuchadnezzar is going to fulfill his assignment. I have given him the right to be the head of gold and to reign over, and his son and his great, great and his grandson are going to rule, and when the grandson's finished, and media, media Persia's coming in, and will take over. But don't you mess with Babylon, don't you mess? Don't you play around. When God put him up front, you yield. You don't try to fight him. You don't try to knock him out. Uh, when God, and because God made it clear that he did that. So there was no question. They had, there was no argument they had. So now, verse 12. I spake unto Zedekiah, king of Judah, according to all these words, saying, uh, bring, bring your necks under the yoke, the king of Babylon, and serve him and his people and live. Verse thirteen, to Zechariah, why will you why will you die, thou and thy people by the sword, by, fam- by the famine, by the pestilence, as the Lord has spoken against the nation that will not serve the king of Babylon. Now God said, listen. I told them, I sent a message to the five kings that want to rebel, and now Zedekiah uh, you're going to go and understand that you had better do the same now Zedekiah isn't going to do that but you think he would you think he would and then so God what else did you do Jeremiah to help him well God had we first we admonished him uh, to make sure that he yielded to Babylon because he wasn't going to defeat him And there's no way to rebel against him. You've got to let history work itself out. You can't stop it. No more than we can stop the tribulation coming up. You can't just say, let's make it go away. It isn't going to go away. It can't go away. It can't. It has to finish. Who said so? God did. So there's no sense except honor and run with it. Now, having said that a little bit and keeping that in mind, so verse 14. Therefore, hearken not unto the words of the prophets that speak unto you, saying, "You shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie unto you, for I have not sent them, saith the Lord, yet they prophesy a lie in my name that I might drive you out, and that you might perish, and the prophets that prophesy unto you unto you also verse sixteen, I spake. To the priest and to all the people, saying, "Thus saith the Lord, everyone, everyone, God's Jeremiah, you let them all know. Hearken not to the words of your prophets that prophesy unto you, saying, Behold, the vessels of the Lord's house shall now shortly be brought back again from Babylon, for the for they prophesy a lie unto you.' So what are they doing now? They're going to go." And they're going to go and try to what? To encourage the people. Now, you come you come up with all kinds of statements when you're in leadership or politic or whatever, and uh, whatever, and you come up with religion, whatever you want to be, and we come up with them in order to encourage the people, whatever, and so they're going to tell people that here's 605, and Nebuchadnezzar took, took stuff out of the temple and stuff, And here comes 597, and Nebuchadnezzar's again there, and he took stuff out of the temple. And so he's taken stuff. Now, what are the prophets saying in the days of of Zedekiah? You be of good cheer, because, in verse 16, behold, the vessels of the Lord's house shall now Shortly be brought again from Babylon, for they prophesy a lion to you. Now, pretty quick they said, Not very long, you'll find a saint. Nebuchadnezzar's going to come trotting back here and going to bring all the stuff he took from the temple and all the valuable stuff. He's going to bring it back. Wow. So that means there must be something positive. He's bringing all the stuff back. Aha, uh-huh. uh, that's the message. Doesn't that sound good? Everything's out there, and things have changed in your life, but everything's going to be fixed. Fixed, quote unquote. Everything's going to be fixed and brought back to a nice place where everything in your marriage and your life and your physical and everything is all going to be brought back. Now, <clears throat> that sounds very good. Now, shortly that's what they said. Hang on to that. Now, so therefore, verse 17. Hearken not unto them, God's admonition by, by Jeremiah, hearken not unto them, serve serve the king of Babylon, serve him, don't, don't go against him, and live. God will take care of you in the captivity for seventy years. Wherefore should the city city be laid waste? Do you want the city to be devastated, ruined, destroyed? What do you want that for? Well, if you listen to the prophets. So now God adds, God adds another little thing. He said, now listen, by way of Jeremiah, you go, let's talk to all those prophets that are telling you all the stuff is going to be brought back. Okay, and now we're going to give a little test. So you give a test so all the people can see how the test goes. verse 18, and if they be prophets, and if the word of the Lord be with them, let them now make intercession, pray, pray to God, pray to intercession to the Lord of hosts. What for? That the vessels, the vessels that the, which are left, in other words, which are left, hang on, are in the house of the Lord, and in the house of the king of Judah, and at Jerusalem, go not in, to Babylon. So, don't let him come a third time let's you pray that he won't come a third time and he won't empty the city he won't empty the temple pray okay so everyone get together and get a big circle and and uh, and uh, pray hold your hands whatever it helps <laughs> and and pray pray hard pray real hard that's, that's that was the test and tell God you tell God what he needs to do, and you tell God that the vessels, vessels, Nebuchadnezzar cannot have any more. He's going to come back, and he can't have any more vessels at all. That's that's the prayer request. So now, therefore, therefore in verse nineteen, thus saith the Lord of hosts concerning the pillars. Pillars, those are great big columns, if you would, in front of the temple, big columns with fire on top of them, and are made of bronze, of bra- brass, bronze, and up there. And they're gonna, t- they're still there, and uh, but Nebuchadnezzar, they're still there, and they're praying to, they're praying to God not to take anything. And God says, listen, by the way, you see those big columns out in front of that temple, out that temple, uh, Nebuchadnezzar is going to take them. And by the way, not only is he going to take them, verse 19, the sea, concerning the sea, concerning the sea. What sea? That's the great labor where they wash their hands. But remember when Solomon did this, we've got what kind of labor? This is a big, big swimming pool. <laughs> like, like that, big pool. And there are 12 oxen, 12 oxen holding it up. And you go around his three oxen, three on each side, and the oxen are carrying that laver, and the and it's on wheels so that you could wheel it. The bases. So now you and the and so Nebuchadnezzar is going to come, and you tell him not to take those columns and not to take that laver with all the oxen and everything. You tell him not to do that. Now, so therefore, verse twenty. When Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and when Nebuchadnezzar, uh, king of Babylon, took not uh, when he carried away which I should say that's the, the in the light of verse nineteen he never took them which Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, took not when he carried them away, uh, Jeconiah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, from Jerusalem to Babylon, and all the nobles of Judah and Jerusalem. Verse 21, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning the vessels that remain. Remember, they're praying, they're, they're God's, and they're going to pray, and then Jeremiah makes it very clear that God's never. you're never going to get your prayer answered. Verse 21, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, concerning the vessels that remain. Uh, in the house of the Lord, they're still there, and 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 uh, and in the house of the King of Judah, and of Jerusalem. And then God makes it very clear: He took them out in six hundred five, and five hundred ninety-seven, and He's going to take them out in five hundred ninety-six, seven years from now. He's going to clean house. Now you you have them pray, and when they're all done praying, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to take them all away. They want it to stay. They can't, that, all you've got to do is understand they don't, they aren't God. People aren't God. People don't govern for God. God is God. So all the words and all the prayers and all the power and all the, everything we could do, you aren't God and neither am I. God is God. And he does whatever he pleases. So when people say, well, we're going to pray to God, go ahead. We have a different position, though, than that. Hang on. Now, having said that, in verse 22, And they shall be carried carried to Babylon, and there shall they be until the day that I visit them. After 70 years, saith the Lord, then will I bring them up, and restore them to this place. Now, I'm going to bring them all back. Now, hang on, what are you going to bring back? A, uh, A, let me go back a sec. Here we are looking at at, uh, the people of Israel, and the prophets are telling them everything that they've taken uh, so far is going to be returned, and nothing else shall be taken away. Now, what do we know that they're looking at? Well, they have the Temple of Solomon, they have the Temple of Solomon there and the Temple of Solomon is, uh, has uh, in, it, uh, in it the wonderful uh, stuff that uh, Solomon built and God gave him the blueprint and he did it. Uh, God did it wonderfully. But what is in that temple is the Ark Ark of the Covenant containing the tablets of stone tables of stone that's there and the mercy seat uh-huh. and there is the altar of incense as we look straight in and on my left over here is the, is the uh lampstand, menorah over here on my right is the table of showbread in this place now God here they are now Nebuchadnezzar going to take him now what do we know well God here we are looking And we have the temple. What do we know is the temple? We shared that in chapter 7. And the temple, the temple was very important. What does the temple speak of? God. The temple is God. God's there. So God is in the midst of us. And so as long as the temple's there, we're safe and no one in the world because there are no other gods. And uh, even though they all worship gods, and we may, even some of them are worshiping God, I mean gods, idols, and they were doing that. But, But the temple has to do with God, and the altar, the altar, well, that's why we worship. We worship God, and we worship God. How can we worship God? Because of his mercy and his grace. And we're going to worship God. Well, not only do we have in there the altar of incense, we have the lampstand, and we have the light. We, we aren't in the darkness, even though we're children of darkness. Oh, we, we're in the light, and we're able to have God. We're able to worship God as we, as we wish. Think of Jeremiah uh, think of Joshua and the, we will serve God kind of thing. And and we have the table of showbread, uh, the 12 tribes there. Are you going to take care of us? God's going to take care of us. So we got God, and we know God to worship, and we are able to have the wonderful, be children of light. Uh, we don't have to be in the dark like the rest of the world. And we have the table of showbread. God cares for us. He does. But none of that meant anything. All of those truths, I just tried to mumble it out to you, all of those things were true. If God, were there, if God was there. But God isn't there. And so the bush, what's the bush Exodus 3? Without God. What's Mount Sinai on fire? What is that without God? What is the temple without the glory of God? The ark doesn't mean anything anymore. It's just an ark. It's just a lampstand. It's just a table of showbread. It's just an altar of incense to, to worship. That's all. And without God, you know what? That's why they were idolatrous, and that's why they're going into Nebuchadnezzar's going to ruin, uh, destroy the city because they left God out. So all of the relics and all of the issue, all of the items that mean something don't mean anything anymore. Your Bible doesn't mean anything without God. Does it? What are you going to do with your Bible without God? I'm going to read it. So Mahatma Gandhi did that. You know all that stuff. Many years ago, he came to our country. He went all the way back to India. And going back, and and in one of his statements, he said in the process, he processed, I'm going back differently. I'm bringing the Bible back. Because the Bible is the way to help people understand. Without God without knowing Christ as your Savior. What good's the Bible? It's true, wonderful things. Wonderful things. But, but you can't really go with it. That's why the law. God gave the law. That's straight, straight, thou shalt, thou shalt not. What good's that? We don't even keep the law. We can't keep that. So we put the Ten Commandments aside because we can't keep them. So God hears all these things but when God is gone, so now, here we are looking at Solomon's temple, and here comes Nebuchadnezzar. Now, all of those And God, you're going to take everything. Interestingly enough, interesting, it may not get very far, but interesting. What happened to the ark? What happened to the lampstand? What happened to the altar of incense? what happened to the lampstand altar of incense the table of showbread they're all gone and you don't hear of them again now God what did you do for those sacred things we don't read Nebuchadnezzar did whatever he did he didn't take them or if he took them he destroyed them there's no record they're all all gone all gone so when we come to Nebuchadnezz- uh, Nebuchadnezzar and 70 years go by Ezra and Nehemiah go back and all of that and they go back and, and they build the temple uh, but they have no ark no there's no ark they had to add uh, build a little lampstand. they had to build an altar of incense they had to build a table of showbread to put in it but you couldn't put an ark in because you don't have one the ark was of God. And he's gone. So you can't have that. So we're going to go down through history. And uh, Herod comes along. And Herod comes and he builds all the stuff. But here's Herod's temple. 46 years and building plus beyond that. And here's the Herod's temple. Wow. But you know what? No ark. No ark. Nope. We had to build a lampstand. We had to build a menorah, a light stand. We had to build an altar of incense. But we couldn't make an ark. We can't make an ark. We can't do that. And God, you didn't let it happen. And we don't have the ark. And where is the ark? see. God said, I put them away. You don't have them ever. You never have them again. Wow, wow. Now, God, do you know what you're doing? You took away the sacred things that mean something to us Israelites. Now, over if you would please. Uh, in uh, Jeremiah, uh, picking up in thought, if I can, and in uh, chapter, uh, picking up in, Ken, uh, in the light of all of that, uh, picking up over in uh, chapter, oh, let's see, 27, 27 and in verse. Uh, well, no, I did that. Don't I don't want to do that. Don't mean to. Don't mean to send you off base here. Uh, in the process, God, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to go and do something wonderful. I'm going to go. And I'm going to not. I'm not going to have you worry about if even consider, even consider coming back uh, to looking to have in your hand the ark. I want you to know, uh, without Jer- I'm turning in now, Jeremiah. You're not going to have the ark again. You're never going to have the ark again. Hmm. What about when the Jews build the temple under the Antichrist? You won't have the ark. The image Satan's going to get in there. But you won't have the ark. No. No, what are we going to have, God? God said, remember Jeremiah, he said, I want to encourage you. You don't need the ark. You don't need the temple. You need me. And I am your future. Not the temple. And not the table of showbread. Not the altar of incense. No. Not the menorah light. I am. I am. Just me. Now watch. Our time is gone. Let me pick it up, please. Just a little bit. So you see it. In the process. Here's the mercy seat, remember. And God, what have you done? Well, and you've made it very clear... Made it very clear that there's no ark. Nope, nope. And that's God. That's the big. Now the Philistine, the Philistines could take the ark in the days of uh, Samuel and, and uh, Eli and take the ark and and uh, but they can't keep the ark and the ark can go back to Shiloh. But after Shiloh, uh, David can get it. But the rest of the equipment's all gone. Uh, all gone. Solomon has to make new stuff except for the ark. So, when we come now to picking up in thought and, and coming to that in, uh, oh, for time's sake, over to Haggai uh, chapter 2. Now remember now that looking at, the, if you're going to look at everything, it isn't what it used to be. So here's our country. Here we are living. And what used to be our country as we knew it isn't anymore. It just isn't anymore. So in the process, in the process, chapter 2, uh, picking up in, in the light of the temple and all of that in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah in this case, and in chapter 2, Haggai, verse 3, who was left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison Of it as nothing. And so they're looking at the temple being rebuilt in the days of Ezra, which is nothing like Solomon's temple. And you know what? All the stuff in it is there, but except the ark isn't there. So this isn't going to last very long, and Malachi is coming up with a turn away from God again and again. So they aren't going to look to God. And in the process of going down that corridor, and they know that it just isn't going to be, so we're going to go to Jerusalem in the days of our Lord. Are we content with the temple? There's no ark in it. No. No ark. Nope. Is God there? Are we? Are we no, we go in and sell, we buy, we do all kinds of things, and the Lord has to go and turn the place upside down a couple of times to get them to see it. They didn't see it. So what are we going to do? Here we have our temple, and we have it. Now, did you learn anything from Jeremiah? No. No, we didn't learn anything. So here we have the temple, and we're going to go, and, uh, and uh, we're going to go, and God's going to tell you the temple isn't worth anything. The temple is your temple. My t- it's supposed to be my house. My house is a house of prayer. Uh, but, but they don't have that. So therefore, Therefore as they're going and looking they're looking there and they're going to go and do what they do they're satisfied they're satisfied with the status quo it isn't the ark no it isn't the altar of incense that they should have no not the table to bread. not the lampstand none of the wonderful benefits of god they aren't there but we're content to sit we have the bible we have this, we're able to sit and have everything, and we're content in our day without having anything. We don't have to have it. Like, they didn't need it either. They could live their life just quite comfortably. In church, we're using our language, but we could do it. We don't need anything. No, nope, we just keep right on going, and we adjust. Even though we've had things that are all gone, but prayer and school and all those different things, and all of those are gone, like the Nebuchadnezzar taking all the things from the, away from the Jews. And we have all of them, but we're content. And the next thing's coming up, and the next thing's coming up, and uh, you, I don't even w- want to think about what's coming up. And how how bad it is. And how, anyway, uh, I think in California they just mean new law coming up. I don't even want to know it and it's gonna spread. Other companies will do it, you know. It doesn't matter how you look, how you dress, or whatever you do, you can't say anything against anybody. I can come in looking like a, like a Hawaiian uh, warrior. Uh, no, no, Hawaiian. they're probably pretty good. Uh, whatever. <laughs> no. It won't matter anymore. It's against the law to say anything about anybody. That'd be interesting. That's terrible. I don't know how businesses would do it. I don't know. Now, but, but, I don't want to get, I didn't mean to drift so much. Now, in the light to get a little, to tie it together. Here we are, God, and uh, we, we don't have that, no. So what are we going to do, God? Now, we want to get a message. It said, you said it, back up without turning there back to Jeremiah. He said, they said, the temp the things that Nebuchadnezzar took are coming back now Shortly, quickly, quickly, they're coming back. They're coming back. Be encouraged. Be full of hope. It's coming back. Uh, But it never came back. Not for them. It never came back. So God, here we are looking. And God, we are looking, and things are gone. They aren't going to be repeated. No. So God, and we're looking. So we don't have, and there is no temple. The Jews have no temple They have no sacrifice. They have no worship. They don't have much, do they? They don't have much. They left God out. They would like to have something, but they don't. They just don't. Wow. But they're content to hang it. Why wouldn't you you have something to... Soon we get back to God. But you're not doing that. Wow. Now... So here we are, God, and we're just believers. That's all. And God, you've done something wonderful. You've made us, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, and we'll turn there at least, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, picking up the thought, please, uh, in in uh, chapter 3, oh directly, verse 16. In the, uh, the local church in Corinth, local assembly of believers in Corinth, know you not that you are plural? Know you not that you are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy. For the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are? Now God, now oh God, uh, they 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 looked at a temple. And, uh, and you, you would operate in the Shekinah glory out of that temple. But God, we are the temple. Aha! Uh-huh. You are my temple, he said. You are, you are my house. Now God, so therefore, therefore, I have to understand, you know, chapter 6 and all of that. We are bought with a price. We're not our own. Glorify God in your body and spirit, which belong to God's. So God, here we are. We're going, and we aren't going to go. And we we have a wonderful relationship to you. So we can't we can't look for you to leave. No, because it's your temple. We're bought with a price. We can grieve Ephesians four. We can grieve you. Make you pained, and we can make it difficult quenching you you want to do wonderful things but you don't let us god so here we are what we we're not we learn lesson god they they turned away from god and lost out but when you in your grace saved us so that we could come boldly to thy throne of grace and receive grace and mercy so that god when we come to you we're able to have what a unique privilege of belonging to you. We're owned, we're bought. That wasn't true of Israel at that point. But boy, it's true of the believing heart today. So therefore, God, what are we looking for? We're looking like Jeremiah. we got all the countries are there. What's going to happen in the world around us is going to happen. And what's going to happen in our body will probably happen, because God is going to allow it if you're saved. But it doesn't matter because it isn't the world around us anymore and it isn't our body. No, no, it's you, God. And that's why Matthew 17, and you have to turn there, verse, five, verse 8, God, what did you say? There's Moses, Peter, James, and John. There's Moses. There's Elijah. There's the law and all the prophets. Wow. And we're going to try to get caught up. But you know what you, you did? Well, Peter, James, and John. You took it all away. And in a moment of time, they disappeared. And only you, Matthew seventeen eight, and they saw no man save Jesus only. God, it isn't about the temple. It isn't about the ark. It isn't about the table to show bread. It's about you. And Israel and the wonderful future that lies ahead is going to know this in a most awesome way. But you know what? They were so thick-headed, so stubborn, they couldn't understand that Babylon was the pathway to the future wonderful kingdom that was coming. And God, here we are, Here we are, Colossians 1.13. What are we? God, what about us? I have already transplanted you, translated you into the kingdom of my dear son right now. You have gone from darkness to light in a moment of time. Colossians 1.13. you have a wonderful position. And the only thing we can do, we can't get rid of it because we belong to Christ and he he paid a price to get us and to have us. It's just we could miss out on his wonderful word and will. Now God, in in all of that, and we didn't get very far, and I'm sorry we didn't. Over them. Remember that, uh, let's have a, a thing, you know, Matthew, uh, Jeremiah, and, uh, and chapter 27, and you know, in verse 16, and now, it's, shortly, it's going to all come back. Now, that was a, words of, with no hope to it, nothing to it, and people can say a whole lot of things, it'll get better, it'll get worse, it'll get this, it'll be that, and they can say it. But only God calls the shots, and that's why we trust Him. So God, the people could say, "Now, this will work, and this will work if we do this." Then we can say that, and, and we get a little bit of hopeful, maybe about work, home, job, school, health. Well, get a little hopeful. Okay, now God, but we don't want to do that. No, no. As believers, we have a huge advantage. In closing, Revelation 22. Revelation chapter 22. And just to be encouraged. <clears throat> now God, <clears throat> I heard them, I heard the prophets say and hurry and everything's going to get nicer and everything. Now God, what kind of language do you use? And they said, now and shortly is going to come. And, uh, but it didn't come. It never came. Now, God, God, now, I'm listening. Chapter 22. When you end all that you've had to say, all that you've got to say, God, verse 20. 22, 20. He which testifieth bears witness to these things, saith, Surely I come present what? Quickly. Mm-mm. now and shortly you, you can never you can say a it or nothing but when God said I'm coming quickly you better believe it Well, are coming quickly here God we're waiting what are you waiting for Colossians one twenty seven. Christ in you what the hope of glory God's what are you waiting for I'm already there Time isn't an issue. Oh, boy. No, time isn't an issue. When I saved you, I'm already there. And I'm just going to finish it. I'm not in a hurry. From your point of view. But boy, from my point of view, said God, I'm longing, Matthew 24, John 24, I'm longing for you to get there to see me. I'm waiting for you to get there. I've translated you into the kingdom of my dear son. I'm waiting for you. I'm coming quickly. What right have you got to say that, God? Because I am coming quickly. Now, God, you did. He said, "I am." But we've waited so long. No, you haven't. You haven't waited at all. You haven't waited. Now, I'm going to give you another. I know you. Do you know what eternal life is? You, you do it. I've said it a thousand times. Eternal life. Belongs to whom? God. In Christ. Who is your what? Life. Now, here's the watch. I don't want to look at it. Here's the watch. Is your, is your life getting older? That's what I want to know. I didn't ask your physical being. Is your relationship to God getting older? Hmm? what's time got to do with your being saved would you tell me so when God said I'm coming quickly and I'm there so what's the issue well boy i been I'm going to get another 10 years I'll be old and die maybe maybe not but in the meanwhile you never had one second decrease or one second addition your eternal life was complete it didn't. I don't add to it or subtract to it. There is no time to it. So we were trying to have time. We are talking about your job, your work, and your pension, whatever you're doing. <laughs> God said, yeah, "We're talking about life, and there is no time for you. It's all finished." Well. Wow.